0: Way, whoa, way, whoa, coming back at ya with another episode. Yeah, episode number 20. This one's a big deal. Still doing this auto-tune thing. That's right. Yeah, told you I was going to drag it out. Greg, can you grab the lights for me, please? Love it. Love it. Everybody, so happy you're here. We're all a huge part of Waylow TV, so the better we are, the better BJ is. That nice lady over there is telling me I really got to wrap this whole thing up. So I'm going to wrap this whole thing up. Today on the show, we got Hal Lublin. It's pretty cool. Super good time. We had a good time. Hope you have a good time. Take it away.
1: All right, everyone.
2: Quiet on set, please. In five, four, three,
3: two.
4: Because I haven't properly introduced you. Uh, It's something I'm terrible at on this show. So
3: would you please introduce yourself and tell us what you're working on? Sure. Uh, My name is Hal Loveland and I'm a podcaster and an actor. And the the things I am actively working on right now that I can talk about are uh, my three podcasts. We got this with Mark and Hal, Tights and Fights, which is uh, both of which are on the Maximum Fun Network and Good Morning Night Vale, which is a re-listen to Welcome to Night Vale with myself and two of the other uh, cast members.
4: Interesting. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about that one, because I know we know Tights and fights well. Or we're we're fans of it on this show. Yeah, uh, but
3: but tell me about the other two. I joined the cast of of Welcome to Night Vale in 2013. I did a, a live show in Brooklyn, and then told Jeffrey and Joseph, who who are the writers and the creative minds behind it, I said, "You have to have me play this character forever, please. I will push everybody else down the stairs." So, uh, you know, I've been part of the. Part of the show now for for nine almost nine years, and in twenty sixteen or seventeen, the the network that they had built of podcasts, they decided to add one that was a re listen of of Welcome to Night Vale. So we they asked me to do it along with Meg bashwinner and Symphony Sanders. So we listen both as fans of the podcast and as people who have some inside knowledge. We talk to cast members, and when we're in an episode, we talk about that process. It's just a fun, and more than anything, we talk about food because the three of us right. love <laughs> food. So it is, it is a food podcast masquerading as a podcast about another podcast. It's So meta, because it
4: is, it is a very meta concept, right? Because mm-hmm. you're you're doing a rewatch of a podcast. Yes, uh, I, and this could be my own ignorance, but I don't think that's done too often. Like that seems rather unique. Like you're you're rewatching a classic podcast.
3: Yes, I think most of the episode by episode breakdowns are like the the office ladies or people who who are fans of the gilmore girl like the gilmore yes. guys like you have th- their sort of pop culture touch points that are visual where you can go back and sort yes. of talk about it it's interesting from at this point to to do it from an audio perspective i don't know if anybody else is doing that but it's it is a lot of fun and i think you kind of look more at the mechanics of how it's made like here's why these jokes work so well and here's here's sort of what they're doing here rather than, Hey, remember when Kevin dropped the pot of chili? Well, that was actual chili that he spent time <laughs> making. So I think it's, uh, and also we're, we're a, f- a forum for fans of welcome to night vale to talk about their theories and questions and, and beliefs around the show. So it's, nice. it's really just helping to, f- to foster and nurture the community around what's already a very popular podcast.
4: I love it. And tell me, tell me about the first podcast, Mike and
3: Hal. Sure, uh, sure. So, so that's uh, me and Mark Gagliardi. Mark and I met, I want to say in 2002, like a week after he moved to LA. And we knew each other from the Second City Training Center out in Los Angeles. And then we were both part of a show called The Thrilling Adventure Hour for 10 years, yes. which continues in various forms to this day. But the 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 monthly stage show was for 10 years. And when we found out it was ending, I I had this sense of all right, there's got to be something that's next. I, I you know, we have a, a fan base from this show. It would be foolish not to to have something loaded up to stay connected with them and present them maybe something different. So instead of going fiction, let's do nonfiction. And Mark and I are friends, and it made sense for me to sort of grab him and say, all right, get in my lifeboat. We're going. And I had this idea for taking things that were completely subjective and then and then deciding what the correct answer was objectively so should you put ketchup on a hot dog which way do you fold your socks how do you hang a roll of toilet paper all the way up to star wars or star trek <laughs> so we just sort of settled into it and my goal was always like the the best part of the thrilling adventure hour among many great things was was hanging out backstage was getting to see your family once a month, and just talk and, and relax and hang out. And I wanted to translate that atmosphere in some way to a podcast. So that's always been sure. the goal is like, this is really us talking. I, I, I want to be completely honest and, and just have fun. And we, we acknowledge that it's a dumb premise, but we commit to it 100%. And it's just so much fun to do. It's, it's, I always enjoy, I enjoy every podcast I get to do. But that, that one in particular is one where I'll just have a smile on my face and there's just a different energy because I'm getting to see my friend, especially during the pandemic where yeah. there just hasn't been a lot of opportunity for face-to-face. So to get to connect in that way is, is just so much fun and have people listen to it is even more fun. And, and we have an incredibly smart audience that is way smarter than us, which is also great because they will let us know when we get something wrong, Thanks. which is a lot.
4: And and last but not least, tell me tell us about Tights and Fights, which has been how how many years has Tyson and Fights been running now?
3: I think Tights and Fights started in 2015. So it's it's six or seven years old. Wow. It's twenty fifteen at the at the earliest, I think. Um that is a weekly look at wrestling and and not only a discussion of just sort of of what happened, but more um from a sort of a social justice or socially responsible point of view it's me and danielle radford and Lindsay kelk and it's so nice to be the only straight white male voice on a podcast especially wrestling it's just it's just us talking about stuff we love and we have a text thread that is you know we're constantly talking about it when we're not recording so (laughs) this this energy that we bring to records is stuff we've already been talking about it's just a continuation of that so it's it it, it's it's I've been a wrestling fan since, my God, 1982, 83. So I, I I wanted to do a wrestling podcast. I really wanted to start one. And I, I was talking to Travis McElroy. He's like, well, Jesse's going to do a wrestling podcast. So I reached out. And originally, it was me and Danielle and Mike uh, – open Mike Eagle. And then open Mike left. And Lindsay Kelko had been filling in, became a full-time host. And it's just – it's so much fun, and we've talked to some insane guests. We just yes. talked to Mickey James, which is
4: oh, that's awesome!
3: So cool. That's I love her. Um,
4: I've been a fan of her since probably the initial run when she first debuted uh, in WWE, mm-hmm. and then the impact run uh, up until she got hit by a train, uh, <laughs> which, which we was a, about. <laughs> yes, I was say, which we discussed. Uh, I think when I was on and Fights for the appearance.
1: Hey, it's me, God. I know, it's been a while, and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not gonna talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money, like for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelssohn. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. dot buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. And if you don't give B.J. your money... You and I are gonna have problems Big ones
2: Commercials suck And hopefully one day we won't need them But until that day comes We have bills to pay brother
0: What the fuck is this copy? I I don't know man BJ wrote it and I think he was high when he did it How do you know he was high? I just I read through it and I just have a I don't know man just read it
2: What kind of bills do we have to pay? Well, for starters, you wouldn't believe how much it costs to feed a super intelligent ape who wants to kill Superman. Yes. At first he said he would pay BJ rent, but then some asshole told the ape about squatters rights. Yep. And he's a supervillain, you know, so he stopped paying rent. Now we all kind of work for him. He's a terrible boss. One time he was eating some guy's face and just left the rest of him in the middle of the floor. I guess it's better than working at Amazon, though? Anyway, the apes got this cool-ass up in the basement of BJ's mom's house. You should see it. There's this kick-ass pool down there. I have no idea how you get a huge pool in the basement of a small house, but he found a way. Separate lines, he found a way. Now, if only could remember to take out the garbage in his office before he leaves for the weekend. Everyone else does it. And that includes Stephen Wheat who works in accounting and shits out of his mouth. <laughs> anyway, that's what's going on here in Harriman, New York. home Home of the...
0: Yeah, man. I'm pretty sure he was high, but let's just get back to it.
2: <laughs> now, let's get back to the show. And let me ask you, what was it like seeing
4: Mike go from someone that was a guest on the show to someone that was in a wrestling
3: ring? That was bizarre. And he was doing the show. He was a full-time host when that happened, when that was all sort of brewing. Um, It was cool because you never think there's so many podcasts of people talking about wrestling and by and large, none of them are people who have ever made a dime from the industry or been in a ring or gone through any training. So to see Mike in that like bad bunny role right. <laughs> of coming in and being the celebrity to feud is it awesome. And I was really, really happy for him because like, that's the dream. Every wrestling fan right. at right. some point has imagined what it would be like if they were in the ring. So to actually get to see a good friend of yours, get to do it is just amazing.
4: Now let's, let's talk a little about you. I, I, you are a voice on one of my all-time favorite shows, The Venture Brothers. Oh. So I'd love to hear, if you're willing, just a, a bit about your creative process as a voice actor when you approach a role like that versus just going and doing a podcast. You know, like what, Can you tell me what the differences are between the preparation and the thought process?
3: Sure. I mean, by and large, when you're doing a podcast, unless it's a unless it's a fiction, like Thrilling Adventure Hour and, and Welcome to Night Vale are very similar in the in in the approach to Venture Brothers, because the majority of the of the time, unless you're doing a stage show, even then you're still when we knew we were podcasting on thrilling, you're still performing for people who don't get to come to the live show. And they need to you need to get everything across that you can with no visual aid. So then when you move to animation, you get a little more because obviously it's it's about the character, and you have to fit that. But for me, the, the other the talk show podcasts are just like I'm winging it. I sure, I don't I, I'm very comfortable doing that. I enjoy having those kind of conversations. But for Venture Brothers, I knew I knew it was Kingpin, essentially. Like Jackson Public was like it's Kingpin, but underwater. So yes. you know, I, I I looked at the picture, I read the the dialogue. It was clear, sort of, who this character is supposed to be. Like I know who Kingpin is. I also know that this is that they're moving to New York so he has to be a New York guy but also the more you know the more you get into the scripts of it with the character you realize well he's like a devoted father he loves his daughter he's the, he, there's a reason why he's doing every single thing that he's doing so i've I've a lot of times in my career I, I would do I would go outside in. And go like, here's a silly voice. So who's this person to do that? And I don't think you ever get quite as deep as you do when you go, all right, who is this person? What is it that they want? Why are they doing the things that they're doing? And then you build everything out from there. I think that's a a deeper and richer character. And for him like to be a villain and get an arc like that, like he got, what that's like that's like a dream. It's a dream to play a bad guy in general because they're never no bad guy thinks they're a bad guy. They're always justified in what they're doing, which which we know from every wrestling heel interview. But that that's generally the the approach is like, all right, well, what's what's going on here? Well, I I already know sort of who the character is, and then that can drive everything else. Well, speaking of driving, I'd like to know a bit more about what drives you to create
4: more content. Like, what is the thing that kind of fuels you every day?
3: I just get a charge out of being behind the microphone every time every time I. I, like I love podcasting, even though it's especially the last two years. Sometimes it can be exhausting to to do anything, but just I never feel more alive than I do when I'm performing, performing behind a microphone. Like if I get to go to the studio, like I'm nervous. It's like the first time every time I do it, and that's what lets me know that this is this is the thing to pursue. This is the thing to keep doing because of the feeling that I get inside every time I do it. And, and especially in anything artistic, you know, I, I, somebody told me a long time ago when I was in like high school or maybe freshman year of college, if you wake up in the morning and can imagine yourself doing anything other than writing, anything other than, than acting or something creative, then you should probably do that because you have to, to at least spiritually be a hundred percent committed to whatever it is that you want to do. And it doesn't matter whether you ever make a dime off of it or not. The, the, there's, there's, there's a nobility in the pursuit. Is there a tool that you use to help keep yourself organized? Because it sounds like you've got the, the voice
4: acting, but then you've got these three podcasts plus other projects and development. So how do you, how do you keep it all straight?
3: I mean, honestly, it's just Google calendar. <laughs> it's like, I know, I knew, you know, you, you're very organized around this. Like, all right, here's email. Number one, email number two, here's the reminder, And that's great. And uh, like the second I have all the inf- information from you, it goes in the calendar, and then I know where I have to be and when. And it's just bad. Like I, I that's the biggest that's the biggest tool I have at my disposal, is knowing when I am and am not available. Everything else you can make it work.
4: Was there was there a moment in your life where you realized, well, you mentioned a little bit, but like was there uh I'm looking for something a bit more specific in time where you were like, This is you know, today's the day when I've decided I'm gonna be a voice actor, I'm gonna be a podcaster, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my voice to
3: make a living. Well, I can, I can, I'll take you back to even performing. How about that? We'll we'll take it step by step. So when I, when I was a kid in like maybe 11 or 12, we had, we had drama class in my middle school, my cool, my Philadelphia, Philadelphia, suburban Quaker school that I went to. And once, once a year, every year, the teacher would, would bring a bunch of hats in. You put a hat on, create a character and then improvise. And the first time I did that, I think I was the only one who created a character who came back each year. Like people knew who the character was. And I, that was when I knew like, Oh, this is th- I, that feeling of making people laugh and them being invested in me getting to use my imagination to create this character that I, I knew that was what I wanted to do. And I was always encouraged by my parents. That helps a lot. Sure. That helps a lot too. Then for, for voiceover, I didn't even know it was possible. And I'd always done voices growing up. I enjoyed like sort of studying them. And and I was a huge SNL fan. So watching people create characters, it wasn't even something I thought I had the ability to do. And when I studied at Second City, my teacher was directing an anime and invited me to audition. And I auditioned and got the part. And then I went in and did it and didn't realize – it just hadn't even occurred to me. I didn't even thought about the fact that you could make a living doing this. And it was just – I fell in love with that, and that was that was where – I mean, I just sort of – how do I make this happen? What do I do? I don't even know. How do I do more of these? What I, and just throwing only Adventure Hour, starting that was a big help because I had to create characters all the time, had to come up with different voices, was working and continue to work and becoming friends with just these legendary, incredible actors and people who are known for animation and live action and comedy and everything – and for podcasting i'd done it here and there but my my dream going to college was to was to study communications cuz i wanted to be a dj i wanted to be a talk like a a talking a talk show host not howard stern but in that like somebody who just comes on and doesn't have to play music and just talks and sort of sure. shares their point of view and what they find interesting so i already had that wired into me and then when honestly when thrilling adventure hour became as big as it did, and having Welcome to Night vale and having those fans, I was like, "Oh, this is an opportunity. I have a, a a medium with almost no barrier to entry, and I have a leg up on a lot of people who are starting out. In that, there uh, there are at least a few people who know what I do, and would probably come and listen to this. And so, that's it. It was all kind of organic. Like I didn't. You, there's no way I could have known in the '90s or the or the '80s that I wanted to be a podcaster, but it just it it was something it was a world I was already kind of in and I and it it I wasn't gonna be on the radio for anybody. So I had this. This was my radio show. Let me ask you, what would you
4: what would you say to creators that are just now starting out and maybe are are looking for a little motivation or a little direction from someone who has has had a career
3: that you've had? I think the biggest thing is to never stop learning. There's there's no point at which you're gonna know everything. And I think it's important to especially not get caught up, whether it's audio or wh- like whatever it is, don't get caught up in the in the technology, by which I mean, if I don't have the greatest equipment, if I don't have, you know, whatever, like those aren't barriers to creating things. You can create whatever you want, wherever you want, and then you'll figure out how to make it happen. And and now more than ever, I you know, I wish that I'd had access to the platforms that exist now where you can create your own television show and put it out there and and millions of billions of people have access to it whether they ever see it or not there's just so the perfect is the enemy of good i think that's the that's sort of where all of that resides is if i have to have the right equipment or this isn't the perfect draft you just have to make stuff and put it out there and and learn by by trying and failing and trying and succeeding like you just have to keep keep educating yourself and keep making stuff. Now let me ask you, where can we find you online? Where can we find all the different shows that you're doing? Uh, you can find me at Hal Lublin on Twitter, pretty, pretty much all social media, although I don't post on, I never post on Instagram. I never <laughs> do. My wife will be like, I sent you something on Instagram and I go, Oh, I guess I should open that up <laughs> and take a look at it. And I have a website, howlublin.com, that I don't up, update as often as I should. So really Twitter is the place where I'm going to be talking about things going on. And I have stuff that just I can't talk about yet, (laughs) like stuff. It's been like a, you know, last year was an interesting year. Like, you know, for voiceover, you have to audition all the time. And a lot of times you audition and hear nothing. Sometimes you get called back and that's great. But uh, rarely do you have things where you just get a straight offer. And I had stuff offered and I had another thing offered recently. So it also shows another lesson to everybody is if you keep doing stuff, the the results aren't going to be apparent right away. But all of it is like sign an NDA and then we'll tell you what it is. So hopefully soon I can talk about it. I thought I was gonna be able to talk about one of the things already, but <laughs> Will alas. you come will you come back on? Like when, when you're ready, would you would you be yeah,
4: willing to come back? Happily to. I got one last question for you. If, right. if you can give someone in your network a shout out who might be a little under the radar, who would it
3: be? I'll give you two. One, is, uh, one is, is Mark Gagliardi, my comedy partner. I don't know how under the radar he is, uh, but he's great and fascinating and does a lot of cool stuff. Uh, and then the producer of We Got This With Mark and Hal is a guy named Ken Plume. And there are a few people in the world who I consider to be pop culture connectors where they know the, the network that they built for themselves is, is unreal. So Ken knows a ton of people. And then another guy, Mel Kalo, who uh, worked in marketing for for Arkea, and then boom, he knew everybody else and I introduced the two of them. And when they shook hands, I thought that the earth was going to open up and just swallow all of us. But I think they're both – they both would be great people to talk to, great people to see what they're doing. Ken has a great podcast called A Bit of a Chat with Ken Plume, where he talks to a lot of different people of note from the US, from the UK, and he – like the gets that he – that he has on his show are unreal. And he's gotten us incredible guests as well. Like our network has expanded for We Got This because of him.
4: Is Ken also the author of the Venture Brothers book? He is. Yes. He's yes. the author
3: of Art of the Venture Brothers. Yes.
4: Uh, it's one of my favorites. Um, I show it
3: to everyone I can. Uh, it's I like such the, a good book he works so hard on those books like I remember his process in doing because he does all these interviews and then he gets the transcripts and then he edits like the, the amount of work he put into that book and it, and it every bit of it shows when you
4: read it, it it really does it's a fantastic book every fan should have it awesome. uh, especially in advance of the movie coming out at some mm-hmm. point uh, Then not too distant future yes but yeah um, that's, that's the entire interview see it's relatively quick and painless it's what? Good, yeah
0: <laughs> you know I'm pretty, I'm pretty upset that the Mets are good now. Why is that? Because now we can't experience things like when they had a 97-year-old
2: pitching coach. You mean Phil Regan?
0: Yeah, th- that guy who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. That team hasn't even existed for 65 years. Like, do you understand how close we all came to having this super old guy coaching the Mets? Do you understand the kind of comedy gold that could have been? Like, right now when we need laughter the most? He probably wouldn't even remember who was on the team. Regan would be in the dugout, chewing tobacco and saying shit like, Send in Willie Mays. And then one of the guys on the bench would be like, Coach, Willie Mays is dead. And then Regan would be like, The hell he is! Get him in there! I don't think Willie Mays is dead. He's not. And I hope Willie Mays lives forever, I really do. But Willie Mays also hasn't played for the Mets since 1973. Anyway, I just want people to understand the potential joy that we're all deprived of now that the Mets are good.
2: Hmm well that's all for this week if you enjoyed this episode of waywo.tv you know what you need to do rate us and leave us a review wherever your favorite podcast can be found that'll help people find this show and hopefully enjoy it as much as you did you did enjoy the show right? we're gonna assume you did cause you made it to the outro most people don't be sure to follow BJ on instagram at BJ Mendelssohn and tell him who you'd like to see interviewed next You can also text your suggestions to BJ at 646-331-8341. But don't call that number. BJ says he's only going to answer if you're Melissa O'Neill from ABC's The Rookie. Also, only if you're going to ask him out on a date. We'll see you next time. Right?